Hey everybody, it's John Voorhees. I'm at the Max Stories Lounge interview series, and I'm talking now to Brian Irace, who's here to talk a little bit about his thoughts about the uh, the keynote. Welcome, Brian. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, it's been a really interesting week. I mean, I you know the keynote and the State of the Unions at this point are all that I've seen because I've been doing a lot of this. Um, but I thought you and like, me both. Yeah, I felt like there's a lot of interesting things there, and there's a lot of little you know a lot of not as many blockbuster items. There's a lot of little things, and a lot of little things that are both helpful for developers and their day-to-day jobs, just like, for instance, all the changes in Xcode, but also a lot of new bits of code that could be implemented into existing apps. I mean, what did you think? I think it shows humility because I think there are some things in there that could very well be blockbusters, mm-hmm. but I don't think Apple necessarily knows which ones those are yet, Right. and I don't think they're claiming to. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So, I mean, I think there was a lot of things that if the keynote was a little slower and a little sparser, we would have freaked out a bit more over but because there was so much in there, they were kind of just blowing through some things that I think might actually end up being a big deal in the yeah, future. They were going at 100 miles an hour, especially through that watch stuff at the beginning. They were just blazing through it. I'm really interested in the watch stuff. I'm a little disappointed. I wanted to see more of a focus on complications. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wear an Apple Watch every day. I like it a lot. But adding custom complications wasn't really something that ended up making as big of an impact as I expected it to. Mm-hmm. I think the reason there is that so many complications aren't useful 100% of the time. Like a sports score is useful during the game and not right. otherwise. A weather alert might be useful when it's about to start pouring, mm-hmm. but maybe I don't need it to say sunny for like the rest yeah, of the that's why I think. Day. Yeah, that's why things like the activity rings are good, just because those are, are relevant to you throughout the day, really. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that said, I'm really excited about you know having faster access to, to apps. I don't really use a lot of apps today, but I think that if the speed improvements and the kind of ease of pulling up the dock are what it looks like they are, then that's going to be really great. Yeah, there are some interesting user-facing changes to that stuff. You know, And we're just talking about complications. Now that you can swipe back and forth between watch faces, it's kind of nice because you could set up like your sports score face for when you're at a basketball game or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and then have a different one for when you're at work or another one when you're, you know, out with friends. I don't know. I mean, there are various ones that might be relevant in different situations. I think to contrast the Watch OS 1.0 reveal with the keynote yesterday, like, they just put so many of their eggs in the digital touch, contacting, you know, the friends that you communicate with the most basket. Mm-hmm. And then today, and, you know, on Monday, they kind of had to back away from that a bit, which I think was great. I think most of us were happy to see that they you know, didn't put their stake in the ground too hard. Yeah. But I think maybe they also learned a bit from it because, again, mm-hmm. it didn't seem like there were that many things, maybe with the exception of, of all the iMessage changes, that they were really trying to, you know, brag about a bit. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that was understated. Yeah. I think that's because they, they know that they don't know everything. Right. They, they don't know what's going to be a hit and what's not. And rather than make really bold proclamations. It seems like they've been said we'd rather give developers lots of different ways to hook into the system and then we'll see what shakes out of that. Yeah, I think a lot of what they did can lead to a lot of creativity because it's you know there's there's different ways to handle widgets and notifications and everything's a lot more customizable than it has been in the past. And I think people will see some interesting apps come out of that. I think so too. I think that one problem with extensions to date has been there's only a couple of types you can make. Mm-hmm. I think that means that everyone tries to make those types. Right. Like everyone makes a today widget, whether or not it's you know, your app lends itself to that or not. Right. But I think there's so many types now that I don't think most 
companies that don't have massive development teams can afford to make every kind of extension right. that exists now. Right. And that means you're going to focus on what your core competency is and yeah. where it actually makes sense for you to hook in. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it is too. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting just kind of from a policy standpoint, seeing that Apple is willing to open up things like Maps now as an extension point. It's really neat to say. I'm sure I'm wrong about this, but the thing that jumped out to me about Maps is, I don't know, do any other companies have something like that? Like an app platform within a mapping environment? Right, no, I don't, not that I'm aware of. And, and I, you know, Messages too, same thing, right? We're going to have a store right within Messages, which is kind of cool. And at least that seems somewhat precedented. I know Facebook yeah. has some degree of apps that run within Messages. And there's sticker packs and uh, various messaging platforms. Right, so that to me felt a little bit more like this is Apple waiting in the weeds, surveying the landscape, and eventually deciding right. how they want to approach a problem that other companies are also working on. But the Maps one, although I don't think it'll be as big of a of a change to you know our daily habits as the messaging applications, I also thought that was novel in a way that like, mm-hmm. hey, this isn't Apple just waiting to see what everyone else does and then right. putting their own spin on it. This seems like something new that actually seems pretty practical, quite frankly. Yeah, one um, one thing that I saw that I really liked, it's a small thing, but I remember debating this with you and, and Matt Bischoff on Twitter one day, it was the, the long pressing on the uh, the URLs, and you can get a share sheet now. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. And they did it just the way I thought they would. They You know, you long press on it, and it shows the URL at the top of the uh, the sheet that comes up. So, you know, because I, I think it was a security concern probably before, maybe, that they, they weren't allowing that. Could be. Uh, who knows, but it's it's a nice way to, to access the share sheet from, from a URL in, in Safari. Definitely. Yeah. So what else did you say that you were interested in? Um, I don't want to sound overly pessimistic, but I'm pretty disappointed in the Siri enhancements. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty limited. Yeah, it's limited. I don't understand exactly why. And again, take this with a grain of salt because I've not been in any of the sessions. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if the Siri sessions have happened yet as we're recording this. (laughs) But it seems like, and I understand why they're doing it. Like my understanding of how the Amazon Echo works is you kind of just get past a string and then it's up right. to you to parse that and determine what it means in the context of your application. Right. Whereas with Siri, the reason that they only have a certain whitelist of actions you can take is because Apple can deduce like, okay, they want to play a song and then they can tell Spotify, play this song. They can tell Apple Music, play this song. Right. Um, that's actually a bad example because music is not one of the things that no. Siri can do. <laughs> But I think you get my point is that like it's more structured data that they're giving to the applications as opposed to just here's a string, figure out what it means. Right, which is exactly what I think they said, uh, Craig Frederick said on stage last night at right. the talk show. But I don't know why that couldn't have been the fallback. Like if you, don't, yeah. if you don't fall into one of these buckets, then you get a string and maybe over time we'll be able to give you something more Yeah, structured. it's probably a user experience thing, right? I mean, because using the, the, if you go the string route, if you're like the Amazon Echo, I don't have an Echo, but from what I understand, it's a lot more like... You, a, a, a voice-driven terminal almost. I mean, you got to know the exact syntax, right? Right. And I guess it's, you know, there's parallels between multitasking. It was the exact same thing. It was there were, you could do turn-by-turn navigation, you could do music, mm-hmm. but you couldn't do general-purpose background right. processing. So maybe a year or two from now, we'll have the kind of uh, broader set of Siri integrations available. Um, once they kind of just feel like they didn't jump in... Uh, too far. Right. I, I kind of wonder how they came up with the set they did. It's a, like a weird eclectic mix to me. Yeah. You know, ride hailing. I mean, they make sense, but there are also, there's so many other ones, like you, you know, like music, for instance, that you could do. I mean, maybe that's more of a competitive uh, decision. Than... I hope not, but it certainly could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Um, but honestly, what I'm most disappointed with uh, in terms of the Siri integrations is not just that it's limited in terms of what kind of actions you can take. It's that it's all based on client-side applications still. I really was hoping that this would be something that was a little bit more um, 
driven by kind of integrations on the server side. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I think that's important is now that you have Siri on the Mac, can you ask Siri on the Mac to hail you an Uber? You, if you don't have an Uber app installed on your Mac? I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe, the answer, maybe they do have a good answer for this. And again, I have not watched any sessions and you know, I'm not the most knowledgeable about all the specifics, but I worry that with Siri becoming available more and more places, your watch, your iPad, your iPhone, your Mac, uh, does that mean that you... It seems like what they want Siri to be is more of a different way for you to interact with the apps that are on the device you're talking right. to. So rather than... Using touch. Using touch, you're using voice. Yep. What I would like it to be is more of like what the Echo is, where you have these services that you have accounts on regardless of which device you happen to be using or where you're signed in, uh, and you can kind of control them that way. Right, because you're just, yes, you're controlling them remotely off from a server. That does make a lot of sense, especially for things that are service-driven, like like Uber or something like that. Yeah. yeah interesting, interesting. Yeah. I think the lock screen stuff is going to be huge. Uh, yeah, I've been playing around with that a little bit. Have you? Yeah, we put it on we put it on a 5S, and it's not great with the 5S because there's a lot of things that aren't supported, like the the raise to uh, to awake. It doesn't that doesn't work, and then it's a little more frustrating because you have to press the button and then press the button again and put in your code. Um, but but the swiping to the camera and the swiping to the widgets is really nice. I just think I think I need to watch the keynote again because between the widget enhancements between the notification enhancements and between the new view that can be rendered when you force touch or 3D touch rather on a home screen icon there's right. now a bit of UI that can be shown there yep. I don't fully have my head wrapped around which of those widgets are the same versus which are different from one another right where they're coming from and what they what they are I right mean, um, we did look at some notifications that are like you know the current format of note um, not notifications, widgets, and they look terrible. Uh, they're gonna, everybody's gonna have to rewrite their widgets because now they're forcing a size. Right. Um, I think my optimistic take on on all of that lock screen enhancements is, you know, if you think of the Apple Watch, you want the kind of notifications and the complications to be the things you primarily interact with, uh, assuming they have enough context to show you, you know, the pertinent information at the pertinent times. Right. And then the apps are kind of like a thing that you delve into if needed, but primarily, right. ideally, you just deal with notifications and complications, right. at least from my perspective. I would yeah, love no, that's how I feel about it, too. I would love to see a world where iOS kind of goes in that direction, too, where the, the default is not to unlock your phone and then peck at your grid of icons, but it's a high likelihood that the action you're going to want to take is either available from a notification or from a widget that can be right. done from the screen. Right. It's been the information and the interactions being pushed to you instead of having to go to it yourself and interact. Yeah, which is kind of like what Google Now tries to do on Android. Yep. Uh, I don't think this is going to be quite as forward-thinking in terms of trying to like predict you know, when you should leave for traffic. I know Apple does some of that already. It seems like Google Now is more kind of forward-thinking, mm -hmm. but I still hope that uh, you know the ways that notifications can now be updated so yeah. if you have a um, you know I get a notification during uh, certain sporting events whenever the score changes yeah. but it's a separate notification Yeah. if I look at my phone I might have five in a row and I have to kind of read through them in order to see what happened right. but uh, with the new changes there could be one that gets updated yeah that would be nice uh, so I think that's really exciting mm -hmm. and at that point like it's almost more like a widget than a notification yeah because right? it's live updating yeah that's great yeah, so really cool. I anticipate not having to unlock my phone as much and choose from a grid of icons and instead just having the data I want right there. Yeah, it seems like it's a natural progression from the watch that people have gotten used to that, being able to just see the information, push them on their watch, and now you can do the same thing with your phone, especially in that you can just raise it to, to light up the screen and see what's on there and yeah. interact with it directly. Absolutely. Yeah. What else jumped out at you? Um, 
Well, I, I mentioned the extensions. Those are really cool. I like the developer tools, too. I really liked what they've done with um, Interface Builder in particular. I mean, the fact that you can now drag things around if they're zoomed or not. Um, some of the size class stuff. Uh, that, that, you know, it, it used to be, you know, the way you'd, you'd pick your size class. It's very easy to make a mistake and make a change to a size class and they, not realizing it's not the one you really wanted to make it to, right? But now they've got those icons along the bottom and the buttons so you can, it's a lot more intuitive and easy to see what you're messing around with. One of these years, it'll finally be the year that I start using Interface Builder. I, I know you're not an Interface Builder guy. <laughs> People always assume that it's a very, uh, it's rooted in a lot of logic, and it's really not. I just never, no. I never just adopted the habit. I never got in the habit of doing it, and... Uh, it's good for some things, but it gets you in trouble in other places. I mean, I guess it's probably like all tools, right? I mean, it has its strong points, but not. But it does have its limits. It's certainly the best tool for certain jobs, and uh, I consider it a failing of mine that I haven't done a good job of, of adopting it in those scenarios. Uh, but it's clearly something that Apple improves year in and year out, and I'm a yeah. big fan of, like, taking uh, what Apple gives you in terms of reading the tea leaves and, you know, they telegraph a lot when yeah. they, when they um, make changes to uh, the SDKs. I mean, size classes and auto layout and all this stuff. If yeah. you started adopting that when they started pushing it, your life's a lot easier today. Yep. And uh, Interface Builder is, is you know certainly a big part of that story, and it's one that uh, I, as a developer, have just not really gotten to embrace yet. But uh, on a long enough time scale, that'll, that'll have to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was there anything else in the developer tools that, that struck your... I think some of like the memory debugging... Oh, right. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was incredible. Uh, Xcode plugins are exciting. Um, I've been using Alcatraz and you know the kind of hacked-in plugins for a while right. now, and the thought of having uh, you know somewhere that those can kind of be a little bit more... Official efficient. and safe, right? I hope that people can make businesses off them, too. I mean, I yeah. would think developers would be happy to pay for something that makes their IDE better, right? That's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there seems just to be start- a lot of aligned incentives there in terms of, uh, you know, we pay for all sorts of great software that, that makes our uh, makes us more productive at our jobs. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see why Xcode plugins should be any different. Yep, and it's just starting with text plugins for now, right? Isn't that right? I think that's what I saw. It's just for the editor. Uh, but it might expand from there. I feel like I read or heard someone say that they were planning to expand it eventually. Okay. Um, okay. So, it's a good start for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I liked it. Um, anything else about the iPhone that you saw that you uh, were particularly interested in? I was a little disappointed at the lack of iPad, you know, new iPad features from a consumer standpoint, just in terms of like the multitasking and switching and some of those things. But then again, we just got the iPad Pro not that long ago, so maybe it's a little early to be expecting those changes. When, uh, when Tim started the keynote and he said, we have four platforms, uh, you know, obviously, watchOS, tvOS, iOS, and macOS jumped to my brain, but then he started talking about the iPhone. He didn't start say iOS, he said iPhone. Mm -hmm. So then I thought for a brief second that maybe he was going to announce iPad as a distinct OS, which a lot of people have been clamoring for. It seems like it's something that almost has to happen eventually. Yeah, I think we're going to see more divergence there over time, and we've started to see it with, you know... The, Multitasking. The, and yeah, exactly, and split view and all that stuff. Totally. Um, you know, it made a lot of sense to leverage off the iPhone, I think, originally when the iPad came out, because it was a familiar, um, you know, paradigm for people to deal with, but it is getting, especially for something like the iPad Pro, with a screen that large and with that much power behind it, it makes a lot of sense to take advantage of those things. I'm exciting about, you know code signing and provisioning potentially yeah. being slightly less painful. It's kind of hard to tell when they say, oh, it's easier now. Right, we just, have, we, we just have another fix issue bu- bu- button, right? Sure, this sure. One, but this one works. <laughs> um, I would have liked to see more 
about continuous integration. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if you use Fastlane or you've heard of I Fastlane. I don't, but I'm but familiar with it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's not perfect, but I think it's about as good as it could be considering the mm-hmm. task that it's trying to, to do without, you know, without having public documented APIs for most of what it's trying to automate. Right. But, it, I mean, it goes to show that a lot of the stuff that we struggle with as developers can be pretty easily automated, especially if you're Apple and you you know, aren't reverse engineering right. APIs to be able to do this. So I would have liked to see more there. Similarly, uh, you know, the Google Play Store has the ability for you to do like phase rollouts, like ramp up to 10% of customers, see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that would be great as well. Yeah, that'd be nice to be able to catch bugs or something like early without having rolled it out to everybody. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, Google Play also lets you revert back to the previous build pretty easily if there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand why that might be really confusing for customers. Yeah. Um, and why they wouldn't maybe want to encourage that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that there's still a lot that iTunes Connect could allow us to do. Yeah, iTunes Connect would be nice for you know more than just a, a new coat of paint like they ended up doing. I mean, it'd be nice if they, there was a little expanded and a little easier to use. Yeah. Do you know if they, anyone mentioned the fact that test flight reviews basically take longer than public app store reviews. Not that, I've, not that I've seen. I know that it's true because I've experienced it. You know, and you know what takes even longer is uh, bundle reviews. I actually uh, did an app bundle that took five or six days to get approved, and all it was was a, the title and a two-sentence description, and it took five or six days to get that approved. Right. And you can't do those until the, the apps are both on the store. So, you know, you can't launch with a bundle. Uh, there are other reasons why I don't like bundles, and I pulled it, but... <laughs> but but it's not a good process yet. I'm really excited about iMessage. I think that a lot of people watched the keynote and thought it was superfluous or it was too much stuff and it's going to be really confusing. And I haven't seen a lot of what the, it looks like as a user to kind of right. navigate the sea of options that you now have. But I also think that most people aren't going to use everything that's in there. Right. Some people will use the bubble effects and stuff. Some people won't. Some people will use, you know, yeah. a few apps. Some people won't. I, I think it's going to be... You know, again, I think it's Apple not putting all their eggs in one basket. It's saying here's a lot of different creative tools, and some will probably take off, some won't, and more importantly, some yeah. might take off for some people, and some might take off with others. So. Right, and it just looks busy in a demo because they wanted to show all the things you can do. And as you said, not everybody's going to use all those things. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're really playing catch up in that area, at least with some of those tools. You know, WhatsApp and Telegram, and a lot of these services already have all those things. I think the fact that uh, message apps can be built without having a corresponding iPhone host app is really interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder if we ever will ever see something like that maybe for the watch or, I mean, keyboards seem like a natural fit for that because everybody's got a keyboard app that doesn't tell you anything except how to install a keyboard. Yeah, I mean, I think you could say that about most extension types. Yeah. Uh, I totally understand why, you know, there's concerns about, well, how do I delete one of these extensions then? People are used to long pressing on an icon until it wiggles and hitting the X. I understand that it's simpler that way, but uh, yeah, look at the app that comes with any keyboard and was it really worth the developer's time to make? Right, a screen that says go to settings and turn on keyboards. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm a little disappointed we didn't see a control center extension point. Yeah, true. Yeah, it'd be nice to be able to customize that, both with third-party stuff and just to move things around, because there's inevitably something in there that each person doesn't really use as much as somebody else. Right, but hey, it's hard to complain. I mean, there, there were some extension points we didn't even touch on in terms of uh, spam detection of phone number. Oh, right, uh, right. And the ability for uh, like voice over IP apps mm-hmm. to hijack like the full-screen dialer. Yep. Um, again, those are minor in terms of, like, how relevant it seems in the, in the big picture, but at the same time, 
it's just more hooks, more ways for us to get in. Uh, default apps are not a thing yet, but it seems more likely than ever that they will be at some yeah, point. Yeah, it does seem like it's possible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely opening up the system, I think, more for more creativity and, and opportunities for, for all kinds of developers. Which is great, assuming they can monetize them. Yeah, no, I know. We'll see. Hopefully the App Store stuff will help us, and maybe subscriptions will help, and there'll be other changes down the road. Um, I don't see the subscriptions being a solution for everybody, but at least there's some change, and it's good to see you know them trying things. I'm really encouraged that you can create uh, the sticker packs, sticker apps, without writing a line of code. Right. Yeah, uh, you just drag your PNGs in, right? I'm no designer, but you know I work with designers, and I feel like a lot of them would be uh, pretty jazzed about the idea of scooping yeah. something up themselves and then potentially being able to sell it. It seems like some yeah. of these other messaging apps have proven that people are willing to pay money for stickers as silly as some people might think they are so I think that's great and hopefully yeah. that's you know historically to make money off the app store meant writing code at least a little bit in order to do so I think it's great that that kind of barrier to entry is going down yeah definitely I saw they have talked to a couple of designers and they were very excited about it especially when they saw all you had to do is drag them in um, and it also I think it's good too in a way I think that it's in Xcode nonetheless because it's it's a way for designers I think to kind of get familiar with Xcode because so often you need to work with somebody who needs to work in IB or something like that and, and uh, it doesn't hurt to have designers as familiar with the tool at least familiarize themselves with the tools just like developers are Agreed. Yeah. So, well, Brian, I really want to thank you for kind of stopping by and talking to me. It's been really nice. I appreciate yeah, it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Brian.